0: So there I am at a friend's wedding. It's before the wedding. I'm a groomsman in my friend's wedding. And everyone's standing around in their tuxes looking all sharp and dapper and snappy. And we're we're killing time by playing pool. You know, people are kind of nervous. Not everyone knows each other. The impending wedding is, is ahead of us. And we start playing. There's a pool table. I, I can't even remember where we were exactly, but there's a pool table. It's the middle of the day. And we start playing pool. And I don't know how people in other cities play pool, but in Seattle, when, when you play pool, two people play. And then whoever wins continues on and plays the next person. So if you win, you get to play again. And if you lose, then you don't get to play the next game. And so we start playing a game of pool, and I, I beat the first guy. And then I play the second guy, and I beat him. And then I play the third guy and I beat him. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, this isn't usual. When I play pool normally, I, I would say I'm an average pool player with average people. I- I'll-, I'll win some and I'll lose some. And there have been times when I feel like I could never win a game of pool. But for whatever reason, the, you know, the balls were going my direction and everything was looking up for Kirk. And so I just kept winning. And slowly over time I realized that the crowd in this room, who most of which I, I didn't know these people, most of the people I didn't know that they, they were people that were attending this wedding and they started to cheer for the people playing against me. So when I would mess up a shot, the crowd of people building around this pool table would cheer, and when my opponent would drop a ball, the crowd would cheer that person. Everyone was cheering against me, even though they didn't know me or the guy I was playing against. And it was the first time and perhaps only time this has ever happened to me where I was Darth Vader. I was the New York Yankees. I was the old Chicago Bulls. <laughs> I was um, the that guy who, who wins all the time. And Everyone else was the underdog. Everyone else was the underdog, and and we all know how we love to cheer for underdogs, and I was the overdog, so naturally everyone was cheering against me. And it felt quite, quite uncomfortable (laughs) and quite strange. And so I don't remember exactly what I did, but eventually I did lose, and of course the crowd erupted in cheering when I lost. And I think I may have thrown the game because I... I thought, my God, if I I win again, this is going to be terrible. (laughs) And so that was, you know, again, perhaps the only time I've ever experienced the, the wrong end of the stick of being an overdog. And since then, I've really thought about why is it that we always cheer for the underdog and why do we hate the overdog? Well, when I got an email from a patron to the podcast, her name is Winter, and she has her own podcast called Derby Face, That says it's like roller derby and like your face. So derby face. I don't know why she named it her podcast Derby Face. Maybe it's like derby in your face, MFers. I don't know. But she emailed me and and we decided to do a podcast together. I, I was interviewed on her podcast in which we talked about roller derby and the phenomenon of the underdog and all that stuff. So I thought I would just play that audio for you. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am chair of the Couple and Family Therapy Program at Antioch University, Seattle, and I'm also a licensed psychotherapist. Okay, so let's just get to that interview. What do you say?
1: So what I wanted to talk about today is the phenomenon of rooting for the underdog. The weird thing about roller derby is that there's one team right now that's won for the past four years, the national, international championships. When they play, everybody's rooting for whoever they're playing to win. So I wanted to talk about why that is and what makes roller derby different from other sports in that one thing I know that's strange is that there's no way for teams to get evened out. Like in football, they have the draft. In baseball, they have salary caps. And roller derby has none of that. What it has developed is this powerhouse team in New York City. What are your thoughts about that? And and what are your thoughts about the whole cheering for the underdog thing?
0: Well, uh, the first thing I think about is how in love we are as a society, and maybe in other societies as well, with underdogs. It's such a love we have, you know, like the Hobbit, you know. We have this little guy who is among tall people who are very good at killing uh, orcs and, and this sort of thing. And we identify with the with the little Hobbit or Cinderella or I, even Frozen. I was thinking the movie Frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger sister... She's the main character. Correct me if I'm wrong, right?
1: You know, I am not that familiar with Frozen, unfortunately. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Luckily, I would say... That surprises me
0: because looking at your Skype picture, I see a young young daughter. and so.
1: Yes, that uh, picture's a few years old. And so, (laughs) thankfully, I haven't seen Frozen very much. I think I've only really kind of seen it once. So, um, yeah, but there are tons of stories about underdogs and right.
0: Harry, Harry Potter, Luke Skywalker, Rocky, you know, there's just, there's just something about that story that we love. And I, and I just wonder, are we innately like that? You know, are we born to love the underdog or is it our culture? You know, are these stories basically telling us to root for the underdog is it the chicken or the egg?
1: And I know you talk about that a lot. Like, is it evolutionary or is it culture? Wh- what causes this this outcome in how we think as a culture?
0: Right. It's always hard to know if we are, quote-unquote, naturally one way or if we're acculturated or socialized into a system that creates that in us.
1: I'm not familiar with very many other sports, and my husband couldn't think of any other sport that he knew of that had such a powerhouse compared to all the other teams. So I, I do think we're in a really unique situation. And I I was trying to think about ways to kind of humanize the Gotham team and maybe let people uh, find out about the individual players and, and maybe help people get to know Gotham not just as the team that's better than everybody else and it's not fair that they always win but that they're athletes just like everybody else and they are you know doing the best that they can because that's what they you know they're athletes who have to bring their a game to stay at the top
0: so i'm not familiar with the world of roller derby i've been to roller derby and i enjoy it but I didn't know that there was a dominant team in New York. Are you saying that people hate this team because they always win? Yes. Interesting. Yeah, you asked about other sports, and there have been times in basketball and baseball and football where this has been true. Like in basketball, the Bulls dominated for a long time. Right. And and everyone hated them, except for Chicago fans. Right. And then And then the Yankees often dominate, and— Everyone hates the Yankees universally, <laughs> and so I certainly can identify with that feeling of of a dynasty team that just dominates, yep. and uh, and and how reviled they are, how evil they become, right? Yep. So the, so the Gotham team—it's even an evil name, Gotham. <laughs> know. So so they're the evil New York, uh, and 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 it sounds like you want to humanize them. You want the fans to stop demonizing these players is that what i'm hearing
1: yeah well and hope i mean i i haven't heard people demonizing the players very much but yes i mean an interesting okay so a few weeks ago they were at a playoff tournament and they you know dominated they won all their games by tons of points and I like Gotham. I'm a fan of Gotham. So I went down and sat on the floor right by for their last game. And I was, I was like, all right, I'm going to cheer for Gotham. I was excited to see them do well. And about halfway through the first period, I found myself cheering when the other team did good things. (laughs) And I was like, what is going on? I can't even cheer for Gotham when I'm trying to. And it was, that's when I realized there's something really deep seated about that underdog love and the love for that underdog story and seeing the little guy do better than they are expected to.
0: Right. And it's a bummer for people that are on the Gotham team because they, unless you tell me some kind of evil story about how they built their team by like you know behind the scenes crushing other people and doing something illegal or something which isn't likely. Nope. You know those those players worked just as hard as everyone else in the league and and in fact they might have even worked harder. Exactly. To some extent. Yes. And so and and you even said a word earlier you said it's not fair that they win all the time you said. Right. I don't know if you I don't know if you noticed you said that. I but. did
1: actually. I wanted to talk about fairness. Yeah.
0: Right be, because the game is built on fairness. There's rules and there's refs and there's points. And if you win, then it's, it's mathematical. You know, they, so it's, it's fair if someone wins, but it feels unfair if a team wins all the time. right? Right. And I think that goes back to when we're children, we're taught to take turns. We're taught to have empathy. It feels like when a team dominates, I think deep down to us, it feels like they are not having empathy for us. You know, if you were playing a friend, like in a game of, you know, pickup basketball or something, and your friend was just dominating you like just And you're both putting a ton of effort into it. Eventually, you would think that person was a jerk. Exactly. Be, because at some point, they should be like, oh, I should take it easy and like pull back and let someone win, that kind of stuff. And I think we transpose that childhood morality onto sports. But of course, that doesn't make any sense in sports. If a team like Gotham were to pull back to let other teams win, that doesn't make any sense. No, No one would want them to do that. You know? Because right. that wouldn't that wouldn't be a valid win. So I think that's part of it is that this childhood morality gets transported into our adult life.
1: Yep. And the the another interesting thing about Roller Derby is that uh it's not just about winning or losing, it's also about point spread. So in order to climb the rankings, teams have to do better than expected against teams they're playing. They have, you know, kind of ranking Power and it, you know, there's an expected point spread. And if Gotham doesn't beat the teams they play by that point spread, they'll actually fall in their overall ranking. So there's absolutely no room for Gotham to pull their foot off the gas or, you know, try out different things or let their B string jammers play a lot. If they're up, you know, they there, I don't know if we want to see that, but we, I think it's important for us to realize that mathematically and because it's sports, it just, it wouldn't make sense.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I'm also wondering, it just occurred to me for the first time that I wonder if gender plays a, a particular role here to make people even more upset at a, at a team like Gotham in... You know, the, it, women are socialized in general, if I might be so bold to say this, to share and to be equal and to care about each other more than men are, right?
1: Absolutely. And put other people first.
0: Right. And and to not dominate and to not win, you know, to let other people win, essentially. And roller derby is, is correct me if I'm wrong, it's all women, correct?
1: Yes. this This roller derby is. There is a men's version, but... This is all women.
0: And so I wonder if that makes it even worse for Gotham.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think gender plays into so much of, well, of our culture, but in roller derby in particular because of that. And uh, women having to overcome the, the, how, what we've been taught, how we've been taught to behave and kind of learn how to be athletes. A lot of people playing this sport didn't grow up playing sports or don't have a lot of background with sports. They got into roller derby because it was a cool thing to do. Their friends were doing it. At the top level, I think most of the people playing do have a lot of sports background, but not necessarily team sports. There isn't a ton of opportunity for girls and women to play team sports. So it's like we're learning all this all within roller derby instead of having been socialized to understand that you play as hard as you can for as long as the game goes. You don't worry about hurting the other team's feelings (laughs) or even what the fans are thinking, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, having said that, there is a thing in the sports that I've played growing up where if you were winning by a certain amount, you pulled back to not humiliate the other team. It was unsportsmanlike to just continue to push hard in the fourth quarter when you're up by 40 points, you know? Yes. Um, So I could see that, you know, that's just a general cultural understanding. But I could see this going a number of ways. You know, if if women in the league don't come from a childhood of playing sports, because when you play sports as a child, if you play enough of it and you're an average person, you will win some and you lose some. And you learn how to... When and how to lose when i when I was young, I remember there were times when I was you know i don 't know fifth grade or something when I w- would really struggle with losing. It was really hard and but as time went on i I got used to it mm-hmm. <laughs> and so by the time I was in high school, you know when we would lose, uh, you know there was there were there was a mixture of feelings, but it wouldn't crush me and then when I would look back on my behavior. At the end of the game i wouldn't i wasn't ashamed of anything I did whereas there's things I did when I was in the fifth grade at the end of games and we would lose and I was just like you know uh, not quite so proud of you know yeah, so I could see how women in the roller derby league not benefiting from that early experience and having more difficulty losing in the roller derby league, but I could also see it going the other way. In that, if you didn't grow up in a world where competition was so important, you might not care so much as an adult if you lose or win. You know, because I, I find that some people they just don't care if they they're just don't they don't care if they win or they lose. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll try hard, but they're not they're not going to lose their crap over. Losing. So, but it seems like you have some opinions about the reactions that people have uh, when they lose. What is it like in the Roller Derby League?
1: Well, it's not so much like the teams that play against Gotham and lose. At this point, you know, everybody knows the expected outcome. And I think the teams that play Gotham are trying to do better than expected so that, you know, they have that feather in their cap and they they feel like they played better than, you know, everybody was expecting them to play. The atmosphere in the arenas when Gotham plays is a little bit of a bummer because everybody's cheering for the other team. You can always tell where the family members and the people from New York are sitting because they're the people cheering for Gotham. And that is great. And And I would rather see a more evenly... Well, I guess that's my my cultural, you know, I want everybody to be nice to everybody. (laughs) And and maybe the fans get something out of booing Gotham or just being silent if, you know, every time Gotham gets lead jam. Um, I guess I want to see more recognition for the amount of work that those players have put in and not just being... I guess a little bit childish about, oh, well, they're just Gotham and not wanting to see them do well when they are individuals like all the other individuals playing and they've all put in tons of hard work, just like everybody else. Uh, It just, it gets a little bit, it gets sad when it's so anti-Gotham in in the arenas.
0: That's interesting. So when Gotham goes to play in any other city everyone boos them with the most energy. Whereas another good team who's like second in the league doesn't necessarily get the same treatment when they go on the road. Is that what you're saying? Correct. That's Yeah, that is really sad. I wonder what it's like to be them. To
1: That's what I've been thinking about th- lately. Yeah,
0: because they're just like anyone else. Exactly. Right? And, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you get paid? Is it a pro league? In, no. In a, yeah. there so are
1: sponsorships, he, and um, I think you know league fundraising, so that your costs are minimal. But yeah. it is not a pro sport,
0: right? So you're volunteering your time, essentially for fun and to entertain the crowd, and to provide a competitive environment for everyone to you know compete, and then everyone just. Just boos you. It seems like bad sportsmanship on on the ha- on behalf of the audience. It seems that way. The way you are describing it,
1: yeah, it, that's how it feels when I am when I am there. And sometimes, you know, I get a little annoyed by something or whatever, and i uh, i have I have yelled, but overall, I guess i I want to see more recognition and more like realization that these are people that. Uh, have put in you know, the same amount of work and the same amount of time and deserve our respect. They've done nothing but play excellently for the past four years. And they deserve the recognition for that and not kind of like, oh, well, they get the trophy. you know. Yeah. It's just I know, troubling. I,
0: yeah. I know what that feels like, actually, now that we're talking about it. One time I was At a friend's wedding, it was before the wedding, I think, and we're all in our tuxedos and whatnot, and there was a pool table. And so I was hanging out with all the wedding party and the family, and we're all hanging out and we're playing pool, and whoever loses, you know, whoever wins plays the next player, right? Okay. And and so I, for some reason, was doing really well, or everyone else was doing really badly, and I just kept winning. And I wasn't playing hard. I was just, it was just casual before a wedding, you know, it wasn't like a competition. And then uh, as time went on, because it went on for, I don't know, an hour or two, because we just had all this idle time. And by the third, fourth, fifth game, people started seriously cheering against me. And and these were people I didn't know. These Mm -hmm. were family members. And I just remember that feeling of like, that's not nice and that's not f- i'm just playing pool it's just casual and and when people were almost gonna beat me the entire room of like 30 people were just erupting and cheering for the person to crush me in pull in pool and i'm not even a good pool player you know and i just remember thinking like um I'm just playing pool, you know what I mean? I'm, yeah. And I'm not a I'm not a professional pool player and it's not my fault that everyone else sucks at this. <laughs> and and so I started to throw my game. I started to to purposely lose because I was like if I if I beat this guy when everyone's cheering him, what are they going to do with me to the, with the next guy? You know what I mean? Yeah. And they already they already have a narrative in their mind about who I am as as the game goes on. I'm the Gotham team i'm exactly. that evil I'm that evil team, and so so I was like, crap, I better lose pretty fast or else there's going to be a riot you know
1: Wow, so yeah you you know what it feels like to be Gotham. I've heard that they actually have practiced playing two booze so that they're <laughs> not uh too you know distracted by it
0: wow. um Did they get like a hundred of their friends to come boo them or that seems like a lot of effort?
1: Well, I I mean, I I think that would be possible, you know, (laughs) at their all-star practices. You know, I'm sure that they have enough other skaters. I don't know exactly how they did it. And it might be a roller derby myth, but it seems reasonable to, um, you know, be flustered by that. And then because they are such a powerhouse and they, I mean that kind of shows how much that they want to overcome any obstacle so that they can still play their best game.
0: Yeah, another thing, I mean, you asked me about the psychodynamics part of it, and it's, of course, a little bit psychobabble, but the way that I see people is that as children, we internalize our relational experiences, and the more intense they are, the more repetitive they are, the more meaningful they are to us, we tend to internalize even more so and it becomes a fixed part of our personality. And all of us grew up as children feeling weak. When we were one year old or two years old or three years old, we knew we were small and weak and helpless and incompetent and could not win at any game with anybody. And that did not feel good to us. That that felt terrible to us and humiliating and, and, and scary. And so when we grow up, we have retained that relationship experience with other people, that feeling of inferiority and that feeling, that fear. And we don't like that part of ourselves when we are at work or when we're trying to do something and we have the perception that we're not doing so well. that that early experience emerges in us and scares us it it tell you know if if you're not doing well at work it's not likely that you're going to get fired or and even if you do get fired it's not likely that you're going to starve to death or get rejected by your family or something but that's the way that black and white children think and so when we're children we're terrified of of these kinds of things and as adults there's no reason to be terrified but we still are terrified that One makes so much
1: sense the whole yeah. that whole inner child thing is yeah. where that the weakness comes from and it, it was hard for me to identify be, with the idea that we all feel weak and we all identify with the underdog but when we when you think about it from a a point of view from a child that makes perfect sense to me
0: right we've all been the underdog for a long period of time i remember being 4 years old and watching all the tall people in a crowd and just I couldn't wait to be as tall as them. I remember just feeling so scared, not scared, but just feeling really little and just at the mercy of other people. And, and we've all had that experience. And even though you might not remember it, you had it. And so when we have these internal difficulties, depending on how and especially if you were made to feel that way by your parents, if they were alcoholic or if they were abusive or something, then you would have it even more so, right? And when we watch these teams, we impose these internalized experiences onto the world. Mm -hmm. So when we see Gotham, they become that scary other that we experience as a child. And when we see the team that's tr- that's trying to win, yeah. or you know, the underdog, we see that part of ourselves. And we want that one to win, to correct for what happened to us as children and for what happens to us at the office. But of course, that doesn't work because after the game, we still have that internal conflict, right? And no matter how many of the underdogs win we will still have that on the inside. So that's the fantasy is that it's a temporary relief from that inner conflict.
1: Right. And that reminds me of something I think you spoke about in just your general sports episode about attaching our own self-worth and happiness to this team. And if that team wins, then it means, you know, we take on that victory and that sense of happiness for ourselves, even if it's just momentary. It's it's very powerful,
0: right? Yeah, neat. Yeah. <laughs> um, other things are, you know, that it's a it's a well studied phenomenon that we have we all have Schadenfreude, right? You've heard of yes how we we love it when other people have a hard time in life. <laughs> we love when other people fail. It's it's a wonderfully satisfying thing to watch for us humans is when other people fail. Yes. Like makes us hoarders, feel better. Like 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 what?
1: Watching hoarders.
0: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so when, or really anything on TV, I mean, <laughs> just like it's just rife with failure. Yes. You know. And so when we see Gotham, if they lose, it means we didn't lose, right? If they're humiliated, if 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 Gotham beats an, another team, then that's what we expect to happen, and so the loser, you don't feel bad about them. You think, well, that Go- Gotham's Gotham. No one beats Gotham. And so, so of course, they lost. No big deal. Right. But if Gotham loses, it's titillating to us because we get a laugh on the inside at them. We get a point at Gotham and say, ha ha ha, you are a lesser person. You're humiliated right now because you were supposed to win, but you lost. And I am not you, which means I am better than you. That's the titillating aspect of schadenfreude.
1: Okay. I would almost see it as like, you know, if and when they lose, it's almost like, oh, they are human Mm. and we all are equal again and all's right with the world.
0: Right, right. That's I don't that know fairness if that makes that, any
1: sense, but No, that's uh, that fairness
0: part. Yeah, we want things to be balanced.
1: I love all of the places we've gone with this and I think it's been a really good discussion of the psychology of underdogs and with roller derby in particular. So, thank you so much for being on with me. Thanks so much.
0: All right, it's just me again. That was an interesting episode. I want to thank Winter of Derby Face for inviting me to come on our podcast. If you out there have a podcast and you want me to be on your podcast, shoot me an email. We can certainly talk. If your podcast is lame, then I will absolutely reject you. I might not even respond to your email. Just kidding. Uh, I'm sort of a slut when it comes to this sort of thing. So. <laughs> Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me out there. And again, go to DerbyFace.com and listen to Winter's podcast. And also, please take care of yourself and take care of the overdogs and the underdogs, because all the dogs deserve our compassion and our love, because everyone deserves it, even the overdogs.